source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation, the place where stars and minds align. Peace, you're now tuned into the Cosmic Convos podcast. I'm your humble host, Heru, and I got my good brother, Brother Ra, how you doing? Oh, brother, enjoying this solstice, renewed, refreshed, ready to hit this solar year, guns are blazing. How about yourself, my brother? Hey, same here, man. Same here. You know, getting getting geared up, man, to, you know, um, ready to take on whatever 2020 has in store. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. But, um, you know, before we get too far, I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology. Um, you can find Push It Forward Media Group at Push It Forward, P-U-S-H-I-T-F-W-D on Instagram. You can find us on the web at with the same um, spelling as our Instagram handle. That's P-U-S-H-I-T-F-W-D dot com. Um, there we got short films. You can find this podcast there. Um, we got a few little articles, different things like that. And we got um, some more things in store coming in 2020. Um, Brother Y, tell them how to uh, get in contact with you. Yeah, so um, we'll be opening up the floodgates uh, <laughs> uh, in the middle of January to kind of start off the new year with reading. So um, that'll be something to look forward to is uh, if you're interested in getting your horoscope read or your chart done, uh, definitely get at me. Um, quite a few people have so far and uh, seems like everybody is definitely getting their money's worth. But you can hit me up at calaparushaastrology at gmail.com. Or you can actually hit me up on Facebook at Shechem Ra or even IG Shechem Ra. Uh, all three of those would definitely give me a line. And uh, definitely, if you have any questions or you're interested, uh, that's the best avenue to reach me. Good deal, good deal, good deal. So, yeah, you know, um, you know, here we are, man. We right here, you know, at the end. And, you know, um, we decided to, you know, do something a little different. You know, for the season finale, you know, um, in lieu of this uh, kind of a, you know, once in a lifetime type of, uh, you know, celestial event going on. Um, you know, we decided to, you know, drop a drop a couple episodes on you at at one time, a few episodes, not a couple, a few episodes on you at one time to, you know, round up the season and hold you over until we uh, we come back live. What you think about that, brother? Rob? I think is excellent because what it's really doing is just segueing us for another um, a better, uh, um, more exciting season uh, next season. Yeah. So we're definitely going to leave out with something for y'all to put your mind on, ride to, uh, chill to, you know, whatever it is that you do while you listen. You're definitely going to have uh, plenty to listen to. So uh, we are going to leave you with something until we return that will definitely keep you occupied. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, this episode would technically be episode twenty-four 
Um, you know, so, you know, there'd be a uh, got got something real good in store. Um, before we get rolling into the topic, um, you got you got a um, you want to answer a question? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So we got a question and I think did we answer. I don't think so. I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, got a brother, one of our Instagram followers um, asked about um, the um, part of a ton of yogas. Right. And he wanted to know is a part of a part of a ton of yoga. Is it almost like an exaltation or not exaltation, but is it almost like having a, a planet in its own sign or how, how do you how do you treat it? Uh, yeah, actually, it's a very good way to, to kind of surmise that particular placement. A parvatana um, is what we call it a mutual. It's in the West. It's what's called a mutual exchange. And uh, it's just where two planets occupy each other's respective signs. And so, um, you know, you have to treat it as a mixture of type of energies, almost like we talked about, like a chemistry type deal. Yeah. Where you have a chemical makeup that has a volatility factor that can switch and move back into uh, an original state or change to another state. So parvatanas are very um, not volatile but unstable. And the reason why is because it all depends on the house that is being ruled, that rules it and the house that is being placed in. Mm-hmm. So you could have a parvatana between various different, different, all kind of different Combinations. You can have a parvatana between the first and the fifth lord. You can have a parvatana between any house and any lord. But when you have it where it connects between a, uh, a kendra and a tracone house, those are the best ones, right? Those are the ones that you really want to look to to see what are the benefits uh, from that. Mm. Uh, then, of course, you have like a secondary grade, which mixes between a kendra and a tracone. Tracone is a Dastana or a house of which is the sixth, eighth, or twelfth house. So any uh, Kendra or Tracone house that's, excuse me, a Dastana house is not a Tracone house. A Dastana house is a sixth, eighth, or twelfth house. Tracone is five or nine. So any time you have the Dastana, six, eight, or twelve involved with any type of exchange, it sullens or kind of dulls or uh, it doesn't do well, right? Mm-hmm. The last type is where you have what's called a repeat Raja Yoga. And repeat means that two negatives become a positive. So let's say you have the 6th and the 12th house exchanged. They kind of cancel each other's evils out. Mm-hmm. The 6th and the 8th house, 8th and the 12th house, those are uh, repeat Raja Yogas. And so those are the ones that you can look to to really see um, it, you know, if the negative become a, becomes a positive. And many times it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, I know someone who has a son that has that, and the negative came out of it that the son, um, uh, his son had to leave, but the positive came out of it that his son ended up getting into a very prestigious school because he left under under duress. Yeah. So you, didn't, you see what I mean? Like the negative becomes a positive. That's also another type of Parvatana yoga. So mm-hmm. these are qualified by <clears throat> not only uh, the houses that they're placed in, but the houses that are ruled within that and so you treat it as if it's in its own sign but you also have to tailor it or adjust it or mend it to show its actual position yeah and we're going to talk about one of those here very very soon so uh we're going to actually delve into one of those particular type of uh exchanges 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. So uh, hopefully that answers your question um, pretty well. Um, and yeah, I think this this uh, this person we about to, um, you know, get into will 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 further answer that question, I believe, as well. Absolutely. Um, now, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, brother Rod, this is uh, this came from one of our listeners, right? This request, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this request, the last person that requested, uh, my brother Ijala, uh, he called in and requested uh, Richard. That's how you got Richard Pryor. Mm. Uh, so that was that request, and this request is by. Um, the the tag or the moniker that I have I'm not gonna give the person's real name but uh, my odd six eight seven you know who you are so this one's for you right uh, this is what you asked for so this is what you're gonna get and we're definitely open to more suggestions more uh, requests anytime you all want to have someone done and it's a legitimate good time this person happens to have a great time mm-hmm. so if you have those and we can get a good solid time we'll do it we'll break it down we'll enjoy it. we'll have fun with it and you know We'll kind of use these as our learning tools to explore different things with regards to astrology. So, uh, my odd six eight seven. This one's for you. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, yeah, y'all. Um, I mean, I know we're wrapping up, but I mean, we're you know we're still available. So send send your requests, and even some of the older ones, they're still in the queue. We haven't forgot about them. So you know they may, you know, um, come up in the next season. And whatnot, indeed. Yep. So yeah, let's let's get into it. You know. So um, so who who's the who's the the lucky person that we we're breaking down well, today? The lucky lady goes by the name was born by the name of Anna May Bullock, <laughs> right? Better known, also known as Tina Turner, mm. right? And. Uh, it uh, Tina Turner, uh, you know, it's not it's not one that I would have thought to do. No, not me either. Um, because you know, um, Tina's kind of life to me is a standard type of entertainer's life. You know what I mean? Like she went through things that most entertainers go through that um, changes their perspective about things. You know, and so you know, entertainers are. Um, in 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 America, there's two types of stars, right? Um, most people don't know that politicians are referred to as stars. They're the big stars, mm. and the lesser stars are the entertainers. That's in fact why you'll see that a lot of entertainers have a lot of hands, their hands in politics, right? Yeah. So remember, we talked about uh, did the show on the Raja Yoga's kingly statuses. Right. Yeah. Well, kingly statuses can be in any various walk of life, whether it be um, um, Bill Gates with computers, whether it be um, Serena Williams with athleticism, um, whether it be um, Barack Obama in politics. You know, all these guys have very powerful Raja Yogas. And so those kingly status yogas is what we're seeing in this example as well. Um, it's not so evident because it doesn't always necessarily look like the, the standard practice of it. But when we talk about it today, you're going to see that this woman definitely has some very strong yogas, some strong placements in her chart that gave her fame. Right? 
Indeed. <laughs> In fact, most famous people, the, the, the signs, the ascendants that are easiest to be famous are Cancer and Libra. They're the two most usually generally easiest. Those, those ascendants become, easily become well-renowned. Why do you say that? Well, because you have to understand the nature of the ascendant. Mm-hmm. The planet that rules it, it shines. Yeah. Yeah. Moon shines brighter than any object in the night sky. Yeah. So by far, it has the propensity to attract the masses. Yeah. Venus, which is the which is the third, second brightest in the evening. Right. Um, so let's let's talk about it. Moon is the brightest at night, obviously. Mm-hmm. Venus is the next brightest. She's the third brightest object in the sky, second at night, right? And Sirius is the th- one of the brightest objects in the night sky as well, right? the star Sirius. So understanding that, it would make sense that the planets, that the signs that are ruled, the ascendants that are ruled by planets that shine are easily noticeable. And it works the same way. Planets that are not so easy, that don't shine like Saturn, right? They're not... They don't typically re- receive world renown unless their their charts are placed in a certain way. Then they will. But most mostly, those Saturn type ascendants are background players. They can be foreground players like a Barack Obama, but most mostly Saturn is reserved. Saturn doesn't like to shine. Saturn wants to be the hand behind the hand. Yeah. Right. So and you know the other ascendants, Mars rule. You know they're they're aggressive and fighting, but Mars it shines. It's bright in the night sky but not as bright as venus and definitely not as bright as the moon so those planets that govern the ascendants that glow that have um some alluring attraction to them are easy those are the ones that easily climb to some some type of um public public status or uh renown so um tina's no exception to the rule she's definitely one that um her chart would be to me notable and that at some point she would receive um, some status or some recognition of some kind. Um, starting off, um, Anna May was born in good old Nutbush, <laughs> Nutbush City, right? <laughs> wow. Uh, hey, she made a song about it. Here it is. Here it is. Here, here, there you go, right? She was born uh, November 26th at 11:39. Right, mm-hmm. um, in Nutbush City, at at ten ten p.m. Yeah, and so that places her right into Cancer Ascendant, right? Uh, right into Cancer Ascendant, and so that big, big Cancer up Ascendant. Cancer, big ups to all the Cancer Ascendants out there. Big ups, big <laughs> ups. What's up? We got one in in the in the in the in the in the mix as well, right? <laughs> um, so you know. Um, She's Cancer Senate. And so Cancer Senate, you know, I know several, so many personal Cancer Senate that they just do, they just do very well. Most Cancer Senate I know do very well in life for some reason. And I think it's really because of the tenacity that the Cancer Sign has, the relentless heartfelt energy to get things done. Right. Um, Cancer is, you know, it's very heartfelt so if it's something they're passionate about, something that they love, something that they can protect, nurture, something they can grow. Any planet that's in the sign of cancer grows. Mm. That's why Mars is debilitated there, because Mars grows within cancer. Mm. Right, so 
you know, when you have that cancer ascendant, is, uh, you know, you have to look at the ascendant lord. That's the first rule of practice when we do this. Descendant degree, ascendant lord. Well, the degree is 24 degrees, which pushes it well into isolation. Mm-hmm. Ashlesha is usually born with some type of um, challenging circumstances surrounding the entry into this plane because it's about squeezing, holding, not releasing. Um, um, it's really about shifting your consciousness from the emotional sense of things to the universal sense. That's what Ashlesha really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's very hard many times. The ascendant degree will tell you kind of the... Just like the ascendant tells you, the degree tells you even more about the perplexities that this person will deal with in their life. And Ashlesha is a very complex, complex energy. It's ruled by the Sarpas, right, which are the serpents. Yeah. So the Naga, right, or not, well, not the Nagas, but Ashesha, uh, which is the actual, you've seen it, it's a multi-headed serpent with, that the Hindu god or Indian god Vishnu lays on. Mm-hmm. That's the That's the... Uh, thing that kind of the the totem or the the um, uh, animal kind of propensity that it's affiliated with is serpent snakes. So <clears throat> a lot of times these individuals hold on to problems a lot longer than they need to. The uh, hydra, hydra, yes, hydra as well. Yes, thank you. Then um, the Greek philosophy, Greek um, terminology, um, and so uh, these people will hold on to things a long time. These people will grasp and hold and hold and hold and squeeze until there's just no more squeezing. Something has to give. Something has to change. Something has to shift. Yeah. And so this is what you begin to see in her life pattern. These things that she will hold for some reason. And we'll see why and who. You know, We pretty much know most of us, but we'll explore it in an astrological sense. You know, one, one thing... Um, if you don't mind real quick, I noticed <coughs> that um, women with, high, with with either, um, you know, Ashlesha ascendant or, you know, prominent, you know, moon or something like that. They, they're interesting. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you've noticed something interesting about women with that placement with, with a prominent Ashlesha. It's, it's something with men, some type of relationship, almost. Um, I've even seen women have that. You ever heard the term man eater? Oh, yeah. They're seductive. Yeah. <laughs> Very alluring. It's yeah. a serpent. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the serpent sitting there staring at you. And you can become allured and pulled into that hypnotic. You know, they're very hypnotic. Yeah. If you look at Tina, she has that hypnotic serpentine look a little bit. Yeah. 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 If you, yeah. If you really look at her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see that seductive, sultry, you don't know what's going to happen behind these doors type energy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, That's a way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look at Tina, man. Don't look. Cancers, don't don't sleep. (laughs) Don't sleep. Right. She's not Pushya. Pushya is the spiritual side of cancer. Yeah. Right. Bush is the real, you know, that's the nurturer. Ashlesha is not the spiritual side. It's the side of the claws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so those propensities to pinch and hold, right? And not only to pinch and hold, but think about it like a boa constrictor. Right? Mm-hmm. A boa constrictor can wrap around you, right? And it's so slow. 
you don't think the thing is going to squeeze you like that. But as it begins to increase its grip, it's over. You realize, wait a minute, I done got caught up. <laughs> right? And now you've, you're you a victim to someone's... Um, in, in, in a lot of Ashleisha can have insecurities. Because it's ruled by Mercury. Mercury is the planet of reasoning, calculation, and, into, and into intellect. Yeah. Well, you, you couple that with the water energy. What do you think you're going to get? Confusion or, you know, just loss. Lots of, lots of mental interlacing, a lot of um, mental constructs, uh, a lot of um, uh, emotional strongholds that are wrapped around the ideas and beliefs of things. That's what Atalasia really is about. Mm-hmm. So moving into her destiny and her chart, she's got her ascendant lord, which is the moon at 14 degrees Taurus in the 11th house. Now this, folks, is an exaltation. It's not exaltation by degree. The moon is exalted exactly at 3 degrees Taurus. However, it is still within 11 degrees of exaltation, which still creates a very strong moon um, placement. And I consider it close to being exaltation, even though technically the moon in this particular position would be uh, what is considered which is considered Mula Tracona. Mm-hmm. Um, that is where the moon is in its own sign. And how could the moon be in its own sign in Taurus? Well, there's some strange things about how the arrangements are with regards to exaltation, debilitation. Um, there's just some fine lines and fine points we won't get in today. But at the same time, you must understand that there are degrees that we look for to give a real strong indication of exaltation. Without it, it's kind of like being next to the best, right? And her moon is definitely next to the best placement as far as the potential outcome of any type of moon placement, it's one of the one of the better ones. So it starts life off with uh, self confidence, um, strong personality, um, the ability to adapt and change, um, the ability. And I'm talking about the ascendant because the ascendant lord is in Taurus, so it's stronger. The personality is stronger. This person has um, the ability to know who she is and not get lost or caught up in um, the kind of things that go on around her. This is what the first house does for us. It gives us an anchor of who we are in this physical plane. Yeah. So she's very well anchored. You can see she has a very strong, determined personality. Right? So, you know, Ascend the Lord in the 11th house is also what we're looking at. And the 11th house is the house of gains. Now, you'll hear a lot of people talk about the 11th house in a negative sense. And there are some things that go, every house has a negative and positive to it. So that's mm-hmm. just not fair. 11th house gets a bad rap. I'm telling y'all, the 11th house is one of the best houses to have your planets placed in. Period. It just is. Even in debilitation. Mm. Because the 11th house is a house that deals with long-term success, long-term gains, getting things after you've paid your dues, connections, knowing the right people. That's all 11th house stuff. Yeah. And so, no, it's not going to come off right off the money. But guess what else it is, right? It's your elders, right? It's your friends. These people usually don't do you harm, hmm. right? So you got to consider this. The Ascendant Lords in the 11th house, very strong placement, very powerful with regards to having a strong personality and having a strong sense of community and others and yeah. plays well with others. Hmm. You know, she does well with others. You, see, you know, she could probably walk into a group 
of all kinds of different people and pull in and make connections very quickly. So that's a very strong placement in my estimation, right? Some others might be a disagree. Um, for the for the cardinal signs, which are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, the eleventh house is what's called a Badakhstan house. I'm not going to get into the definition, but many say that it is a house that creates obstacles. Well. It could be that her obstacle was her own personality and the attractiveness or the alluring aspect of her personality, which attracted someone that wanted to control and manipulate that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, going deeper in, we're not going to spend too much time on each topic because we can go deep on each one. We're going to just walk through it and look at it for what it is. So we always qualify a placement by the Lord of the or the ruler of where that placement is and so the moon is definitely placed well ascendant lord is placed well but the ruler of taurus is not so well and that lowers or lessens the degree of power that that placement can yield which venus is in the sixth house of sagittarius so this shows now you know we see Various things do different things. You know, we see multiple things do one placement. Well, we know the moon is the mother. Right? Yeah. And we know moon is mom. Right? That means that the moon, the, the lord of the moon is eight houses from its own rule, from its own pl The moon's ruler is eight houses away from itself. From its natural ruling sign. Yeah. So that puts a definite damper on the mother, creates a very... Un now, here's the thing. So you look at it from the moon, eighth from the moon, and then you look at it from the ascendant, Venus is... Well, the moon's lord is in the sixth. So we have a double whammy. So that shows the mother definitely is unstable. Right? Hmm. Rahu in the fourth house also adds into the equation unstable childhood. Right? Yeah, very unstable childhood, and not to say she was in harm's way, but just the moving and the shifting and the changing—all that was very. That's a lot for a child, you know. Stability is the key factor for growth in a child's life, so it was very much difficult for her to probably feel anchored, feel loved, feel wanted, and some of these may have created insecurities, which may have allowed a type of individual to come into her life to manipulate those. Yeah. So we now know that the moon's placement is it's good, but it's also some qualifying factors that definitely bring some challenges with it. But the other thing is that her ascendant lord is aspected by, by the sun. So it also gives her another strong level of personality. Mm -hmm. These are the subtleties when we begin to look at different charts just to see why this person would be more resilient than necessarily that person. Well, her son is at 11 degrees Scorpio. Her moon's at 14 degrees Taurus. That's practically a full moon. Yeah. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. So not only is it a full moon, which then even further, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it just it shines light to the ascendant. It gives confidence. It gives self-assurity. It removes a lot of the insecurities. So you know, really low. No, and if you watch... Angela Bassett played that role. She did play a little shy role. She kind of played shy first. Cancers can be known to be internal. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Once they come out of their shell, watch out. But they can be internal. They could be, you know, more reserved than the fire or air signs. Because it's water. So, you know, showing that in kind of rendition of that movie that gave the rendition of her life, you see some of the shyness, but you also see that bold personality as well. Yeah. It's a it's a mixture. So moving from that, right? We got some qualifying factors. Shows strong personality, definitely ability to interact with others well. Um, has self confidence, but also has some tendencies to be shy, and maybe even some issues around are centered around feeling loved or wanted, especially by the mother. Now moving deeper in, right? Now we see that the ascendant is aspected by Jupiter. This removes a thousand evils. Jupiter in any strong placement, uh, whether it be a Kendra or Chacon house, it literally blesses the chart. It just blesses you. Even if you go through something, you got you're, you're something like an angel on your shoulder. You know, you get out, you get unsca- you get through unscathed, right? Or you might be scathed, but you ain't dead. You ain't you know you're not damaged to the point where you can't recover. So Jupiter gives these kind of blessings, and she was raised in a very spiritual upbringing with regards to her grandparents and so forth. So that Jupiter aspect in the Ascendant always gives some type of religious purview in the beginning of life. You've got something similar. Would you say that would be the case? I do. I, I have that, that, that exact placement, yeah. <laughs> right. Did you grow up in some type of religious... So, I mean, it for Americans not to is probably more strange than anything, but... I would imagine somewhere in your immediate environment, Jesus, church, something was there. It was right. there. It was it was definitely there. I've always had like a um like a spiritual disposition. You know, I got exactly. some I got something else sitting there, so it made it a little that changes it. Yeah, right. it changed it, but right. but it was always right. yeah, always had a had that type of disposition. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so does she. And we're gonna see exactly how that kind of pans out. So Moving into the moon, we kind of talked about the moon, but let's talk a little bit more about the moon. So we dealt with the ascendant, which is the body. Let's deal with the mind. So the mind is now strong, right? Good memory, right? Excellent uh, reflective power, right? Um, Able to um, uh, adapt, right? But still stable. That's what the moon in exaltation does. It gives you a very strong mind. Hmm. The moon is full. That adds even more strength to the mind. So being born in a full moon. My daughter's born in a full moon. Very outgoing. Very loving. But very be very emotional too. Mm. Right? Because the, 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 the moon is lit up. Right? So all your emotions kind of come to the surface. Right? When the moon is dark, you got a lot of subconscious stuff going on. Moon is bright. Right, the subconscious is rendered conscious. Right, because the light is shown onto the the subconscious. The moon is more like your subconscious, right? Yeah. Because it's your child. If the moon represents your childhood, and let's look at her childhood, moon is there. But guess what? There's a planet aspect in that moon. Good old Mars. We got a Chandra Mangal Yoga, y'all. <laughs> Right, man. I, it, now we can talk about some more fiery, z- zealous resistance, right? Le resistance to the moon. 
Right. She ain't no punk. <laughs> yeah. That's why I had a problem, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You, if you watch the movie, you know, you remember the baby mamas or whatever, the wives or whatever. They just kind of like, you know, like there, right? But Anna Mae, right? Anna Mae was no joke. Like, she did a lot. She cared a lot. And you could see she cared for kids that weren't even hers. Yeah. Right? That's that cancer energy. Mm-hmm. And that moon is solid, able to withstand a lot of stuff. But at the same time, right, that Mars aspect in that moon gives her a fiery streak. And you're only going to do so much for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can take a lot. It can take a lot because of that moon's exaltation. But it, it has its limitations because it's got a fiery edge where we'll break and say, I can't do it anymore and snap. Yeah. We, we saw that. I mean, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I've always been around <laughs> women with that Chandra Mangala yoga, almost, <laughs> is mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm, or, 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 mm-hmm. or very, what would what, you call it? Um, Mongolic chart, very Mars, yeah, very prevalent. Mongolic, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. they will not. They take up a, a, so much, mm-hmm. and then it's a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> it's a wrap. Don't don't, don't even go there no more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I used to date, I see a Chandra Mongol yoke, I run. You say, <laughs> okay, and it worked every time. You said <laughs> because I would sit there. And I would be like, nah, I'm cool on you. Or, you know, we we date. We can hang, you know. And all of a sudden, man, a snap out of nowhere. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? And I'm like, oh, there's the Chandra Mongo Yog. So, you know, it's not to say people that have it can't have relationships. By all means, that's not true. Because you have to look at all the factors, moon, sun, everything. Seventh floor, seventh house, all that. But just take it to the bank. Then when there's a Chandra Mongo Yog, don't push them too far. You're going to get flack back pretty good. So showing that again, very strong mind, very strong mentality, not to take too much mess, but definitely can be strong, sturdy, and withstand a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, moon in the 11th house, guess what it does? Let's talk about it. So the 11th house in regards to Jiva and non-Jiva, right? Jiva is living. Every house has a Jiva and non-Jiva respect to it. Every house is a living aspect and a non-living aspect. Your first house is you as the living aspect, your physical vehicle, your body. The non-living aspect is your personality. Hmm. Right? The living aspect of the seventh house, second house, is your family. The non-living aspect is your values and your resources, your savings. Each house has a jiva living and non-living aspect. The eleventh house the living aspect for the 11th house is the elder siblings. Well, she has two older female elder siblings. Hello. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but just to me, that just... Like, wow. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Now, we're seeing that elder siblings are women... Right, showing it two older siblings, women, in the eleventh. Perfect. That's why her chart is just so easily discussable because it's just it like falls into place perfectly. 
Yeah. But a moon in the 11th house also has things that flow very easily for them. They get support out of very odd places, and things can come up, and people will help. People will help. Um, supported female friends. In fact, I think in the movie, if I'm correct, it was a female friend f that showed her and led her to Buddhism. Uh, did you, you recall that? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I think so. I think so. Think yeah, so. I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty positive that was the case. About 100% sure, in fact. And I don't know how true that is with regards to her uh, biographical act, the biographical accuracy of it. But the movie definitely showed a woman that was a friend putting her up on some knowledge. Yeah. So again, you know, just showing, right, these placements. Now moving deeper in, right, we talked a little bit about the moon. And of course it is in Rohini, right? Rohini is definitely, right, one of the most... Um, Beneficial placements for the moon. Of course, that's where uh, it's Kritika is technically the exaltation, but you know, it's right on the. It's it's closer. To, the moon being in Rohini still is very powerful because Rohini is ruled by the moon, mm -hmm. so it gives an added extra benefit to the moon's placement there. Yeah, but it just means that this person definitely will have a propensity for beauty. Will be very attractive. Right, very alluring, right? Very much um, not having a problem with getting the opposite sex. I can tell you that. Yeah. So you know the moon shows this. Moving in from the moon, the mindset, into the sun, which is the the core who you are, the the bearings of what you need to make things whole in life. What you are supposed to achieve when you exit this particular realm. The sun shows those propensities, and the sun being in Scorpio now shows a person that is here to deal with transformations. Hmm. This person is here to deal with sudden shifts in the life pattern to where it calls attention to the core of who you are. Yeah. And ruling the second house, a lot of that transformation came in through the family hmm. if you look at her very early ages there was a lot of changes in her life um, I believe she stayed with her mother uh, no her grandmother because the mother didn't want responsibilities um, when that happened uh, the grandma died right so she ended up back with her mother she was in nightclubs at a very early age mm-hmm I mean, considering back in the 50s, that probably wasn't a big deal, but still and all, you know, this is a young woman, you know, growing up fast. Yeah. You know, making things um, manifest based on her talents and abilities and gifts. And the moon in the 11th house in Taurus, y'all, gives some very powerful musical propensities. Very powerful. Because the moon is aspecting the 5th house as well. Yeah. Which is creativity, right? Yep. So she definitely musically gifted, without a doubt. Right? Uh, in fact... Aspect in the second and third Lord. Exactly. Hmm. And then not only that, it's her personality that connects it, her hmm. physical body. Hmm. So this shows, right? This woman is definitely here to deal with some serious power, seriously powerful stuff. 
But she can take it. Hmm. She can take it. She's built to last. And she's here. She outlived Ike, y'all. So that tells you something. Yeah. Right. But moving into the sun, right? It's in the fifth house. The fifth house is the house of creative expression. Right. So this person's soul uh, yearned for the expression of the inner um, atmosphere of who she is. It yearned to, to, to get it out. That's the sun and the fifth. Very creative, very smart, very, very, very um, um, ingenious when it comes to trying to solve problems. The sun in the fifth house is, 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 the Leo is the natural sign for the fifth house. So it's almost like in its own, its own house, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it definitely gives her a strong disposition to, to also protect the children as well. She definitely will protect children. Hmm. And, well, looking at the fifth house as that jiva item, right? Jiva is children in the fifth house. And her sons, she had sons. She had no daughters. Yeah. So you can clearly see elder siblings, boom, perfect match. Children, males, perfect match. I mean, everything lines up so very well. Right? Now, the son also in, the, in, the, in uh, Anuradha, it talks about literally being able to be a bridge maker or a connector between uh, forces that may be opposing or forces that may not be on the same wavelength. And Anuradha is the sign that allows us to transform those negatives into positives. Any type of opposition can become a friend. Any person that's an enemy can, can become a friend through the Anuradha energy. Yeah. So you can see these things, right? I mean, bar none. And there's many more placements. We just won't go into everything. But the sun being in that position definitely calls her soul to answer its own questions, to, to find the truth. The fifth house is a house of truth. So this person is a truth seeker in a way. And it's aspected by Jupiter simultaneously. Very powerful. Right. So, you know, we kind of just delineated her right quick. Break her down, body, mind, and soul. You can see this is who she is. But when we get further into the chart, now we want to start looking at some things that kind of were telltale signs that this is who and what we're dealing with. And yeah. we've already had some so far. Yeah. Let's look at some that really call home to Ike, to um, Tina's life, which is good old Ike. <clears throat> And we're going to start off in looking at the relationship and the relationship house to show what happened in the relationship. If I didn't know her and I met her and I did her chart, I'd say you have some challenges and issues with abuse and relationship. Why would I say that? Well, seventh go ahead, Lord. brother. Seventh Lord, debilitated. Yeah. Conjunct K2. Yeah. Within two, almost within two degrees, too. It's pretty, they're close. I got four, but it could be, I, I see two as well. Um, depending on which placement, what, what uh, time frame we put it in. But mm -hmm. it, it's so close, it's unarguable. Um, so the seventh floor is the, is, the, is the seventh house, is the house we look for, for marriage, long-term commitments, promises, and so forth. And you can see that the seventh lord, which is Saturn, 
is debilitated in the 10th house. So this means that the person's mate definitely was in the limelight. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In the limelight in the sense of trying to push or prod or um, go beyond certain ring pass knots that probably weren't intended to be gone, to be pushed beyond. And Ike is famous for his relentless approach to things. Yeah. Right. So you can see Ike through the seventh house. Now, it's debilitated, so that means that its functioning ability to be a good husband is thwarted. Hmm. So the opposite of a good one is obviously a bad one. <laughs> right? And you can see that she was abused through this placement. Yeah. The Jiva item for the seventh house is the mate, the husband. The husband is defunct, devoid, no power, no staying power, no um um can't resist pressure, can't take pressure, right? Can't take harsh realities wants to shade away from the real way of dealing with things and take shortcuts yeah that's like mm. so and anytime saturn's in aries it wants to take shortcuts y'all that's a little just fyi saturn and aries shortcuts mm. right so the husband wants to take shortcuts but at the same time is very very restrictive, very domineering, uh, very uh, overbearing. That's all the seventh floor being debilitated. That's what it does. Now, to add in, the, ascendant, uh, the seventh floor is in the sign of Aries, which then further fuels that particular propensity to be physically abusive. Yeah. Right? So, you can see Ike. Ike is right there. All day. Right? Intense. So, you can see that right now. You know, I, I just like to use different people to kind of pull out the chart and kind of highlight it. And, you know, really you can have some fun with it. Um, but, um, let's see here. So, she started off, right? And we're going to talk about some time frames now. Uh, really getting into her life and her disposition with regards to uh, how it began. What was the life like as it began to, um, she started. And so, uh, if you concur, I have her starting off at a moon dasha. Yep. Okay. And so, right off the bat, right, we notice that Anna May's ability when she starts off it's probably calling attention to her where she was a very um quick learner she she recognized things with regards to her abilities as a young person very quickly because it's starting off in her personality dispos the, the planet that rules her personality is starting off each little thing that changes with regards to how those dasha periods start it tells a lot about the personalities as well yeah because this is how the person carved themselves out into this particular manifestation, what we call Tina Turner or Richard Pryor or whoever. They carved themselves out where they were beginning to carve themselves out immediately based on the ascendant when she was born. Hmm. Strong little girl. Right? 
Probably had a mouth on her too. I would bet with that uh, Mercury and Scorpio, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you see, we can see the childhood. We can see how she started off. You ask anybody around her, was she a strong-willed little girl? Yes, she was. Oh, Tina was something. That's what they would tell you, I'm sure. Tina was something. <laughs> right? So, you must understand, when you start off this way, and actually, it's a good start. Right? It's a good start. It's not a great start. It's a good start. Because the person will come in with some bead of who they are. At a very early age. And then they can build from that and become very much more oriented towards who they are because they started off doing it. Yeah. Right? Um, so, you know, they moved around a lot. Um, you know, and the moon is a planet that moves. I mean, they all move, but the moon moves quicker than any other planet right so there you see the moving the unstable the in even though moon is strong the moon itself because it fluctuates it's going to show a fluctuating life yeah in the beginning right um and so as a young girl right um she you know was kind of forced to stay with different people all family still mm -hmm. but still very much not what you would consider go to school have your parents average so-called average normal american life right it was not one that was commensurate with what we would consider as being picturesque yeah so i mean even in fact it says that she recalls picking cotton with her family at a very early age. But guess what she was doing? Picking it with family. Yeah. And the sun, which is the second house, Lord, aspects the ascendant, Lord, which is the moon. So you see right there, a very early age, right? The connection with the family is very strong. Even though unstable. So... You know, this is when you begin into the subtleties of things, like the nuances of astrology and people's lives that can be read through this. Yeah. She moves into a Mars Dasha, right? And the Mars Dasha, right, shows that, uh, you know, as a young child, she definitely went through some more stuff because Mars is in the eighth house. Yeah. Well, if you look at between six and 13, again, Right when she was assessed, when she was eleven, uh, her mother Zelma ran off without warning, seeking freedom from her abusive relationship, right with with a gentleman, and she moved to St. Louis. So at eleven years old, Mama up and left. Mama was a Rolling Stone. Well, look at eleven. In eleven is a Mars K two period. Hmm. Mars is in the eighth house. K2 rules the ruler of Mars. I mean, K2 conjuncts the ruler of Mars. This is a sudden severing of something. Hmm. And that severing happened within a tumultuous environment, which was just, an, it just, she wasn't abused, but it was just, wasn't stable. Yeah. Right. 
So, you know, moving into from the Mars Dasha, right, at a, until about 13 years of age, she, was, she began the Rahu Dasha. This is when she began to literally come into her, know her role as Tina Turner. Well, how do how do you see that, Ra? Like, what do you see with the Rahu Dasha? Well, Rahu's in the fourth house, number one. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the fourth house, right, is the house of home. So she's still a young girl. Well, not fairly young, but a young lady. Yeah. Still at home. Right? Well, if I'm correct, right, she moved back with her mother, right, and right around she's about 13 or 14, right? So it's kind of like showing that same that same connection right back, right? Like she was, she was 16, excuse me, I'm sorry. She was 16, and even at the age of 16, you can clearly see she's still in that, she's in a Rahu Dasha, Rahu Jupiter Dasha to be exact. Yeah. So Rahu is in how many places from Jupiter? One, two, three, four, five, six. So the sixth placement from those two planets creates some type of obstacle or challenge or frustration in that mm-hmm. time period. And I'm sure it was frustrating to have to move back with your mother after you've been acquiesced by your grandparents who are religious, spiritual, and so forth. Yeah. Now, bringing us up to further... Uh, bring us further up uh, as far as these dashas are concerned. Uh, when the Rahu Dasha period, that's when she met Ike. Hmm. Yep. In the 50s, right? Well, guess what? She's in a Rahu period. Rahu becomes the ascendant. Whenever you look at a dasha, you want to make the planet the ascendant many times to get a purview of what's going on. And seventh from Rahu, right, is K2. And Ketu's conjunct the seventh lord of the natal tr- of the of the um, of the Rossi placement. Yeah, there's the marriage right there in the Rahu Dasha. <laughs> right. So again, showing this person now Rahu in the fourth house. What else does it do? Well, it creates an inflation. Rahu inflates. He spreads. He expands. Uh, expand in the sense of like Jupiter, but expand in the sense of to bring something to spread it so far, it literally either you loses its loses its power, or has to reshift or recapitulate into something else. That's what Rahu can do. So Rahu, because it's transform, it likes to change and wear different masks. So Rahu in the fourth house also made her grow up early. She wanted to get out of the home early. Yeah. You see that? Mm-hmm. What better way than to do that? Then the planet that is in opposition to that Rahu conjunct K2, which is the seventh lord through marriage. So that's how she got out of marriage. That's how she got out of home fast. Mm-hmm. And it's in the movie. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is real. This stuff is real. The fourth lord is in the sixth house. So that means that when she met him, the ruler of the fourth is in the sixth. So whatever happened at that period of time is going to also bring some challenges. Some victimization, some unsavory circumstances, things that will definitely wake you up. Yeah. Right? So now we see, right, Rahu Pier, and she gains a lot of success during the Rahu Dasha. 
not a success right but by way of her husband right because of the duo type deal right um and so you know a lot of things that came out during the 60s i mean and, and let's just put it like this right you mentioned earlier like the second and third lord in the fifth house creates that propensity for music it does right but rahu being in the fourth house right opens the opportunity for her to be unorthodox and in a position that probably wouldn't be savory to her family or to who she loves and that also came out in the movie mm -hmm. so but it also shows a mother that will use you too mm. hmm. Rahu in the fourth can have a mother that will use you she'll use you to leapfrog whoa See, Rahu likes to leapfrog. He wants to get from 0 to 100 in 2.3 seconds. He wants to be the master of all masters without doing the master's work. Yeah. And so Rahu in the fourth shows a mother that can use her to gain to get a leg up. <laughs> see, this is what you start to see. Right? She want to get out of home. Right? She wants to expand. Faster than the fourth house is willing to allow. Yeah. She wants to grow up fast. Is what it means. My mother has a very similar placement. She grew up very early. No, a lot of people, not a lot of sisters with this placement. Not to say they're fast, but they just grow up. They grow up fast. They grow up faster. They have to deal with more things. Their their home life is expanded beyond their capacity. Yeah. So you see that. During these time frames, we can see these things, right? Um, <clears throat> now, during the 70s, I mean, I'm sorry, during the 70s, during the 60s, um, that's when she, you know, began to really come into her own as a performer, but it was always attached to something else. It was never just her. It was later. But originally, she was part of some other organization or group, and that's where that moon in the eleventh house shows that literally, that that group type of thing did very well for her. It made her, it gave her the ability to to, to perform well, mm -hmm. because it's like a symphony. It's like a synchronization. Uh, Tina's not a great singer to me. She can sing, but she's not one that I would call home to say that's like a Beyonce or Whitney Houston. Yeah. But her soulful singing is seen through the sun and the fifth. That Scorpio rough, ugh, like that give it to you raw, you know. I mean, she has they have some serious like other than Proud Mary, I don't there's another one. Eye to the Spider, I think it's what it's called. Just just the scene way she brought it was raw. Yeah. That's Scorpio. And wait, her voice, anytime you want to know the voice, one of the things you want to look at is Mercury as a Caraca. It's in Scorpio. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> kind of a raspy singer, you know? Kind of a little raspy. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's how you begin to see that stuff. So, you know, moving in to the Dashes. Now we're going to leave Rahu. We know she's got fame. We know she's married to Ike, you know... Um, Big Ike Turner, you know, bad boy on the block, you know. She moves into Jupiter Dasha, and Jupiter is a is a planet that, when you go through his Dasha, you're gonna wake up. 
it's almost like someone turned the lights on. Like, whoa, whoa, what happened? Right? And in this period, um, for the first good half of it, maybe not half, but let's say, what, five to six years, you know, seven years in, right? This is when Jupiter began to heal, right? And healing is not always comfortable. Jupiter began to remove the smoke from her eyes, which Rahu cast. Right? Seeing that this brother here <laughs> ain't worth the <laughs> that drove drove him in, right? He's not he's he's a he's a problem. So Jupiter is like a nagging conscience. Like you know you should be leaving. It's called the word of the voice of God to some of us that can hear it, right? Yeah. Some of us get the word, some go the voice, some get both. Right? This is God trying to say, anime, mm. get out. And she did just that. In 1976 is when she began to actually uh, pull away from Mike. And in the movie rendition of her life, it shows that they had a major, major dog out fight. Right? And this happened in 1976. Yeah. Well, she's in Jupiter Dasha. In fact, it happened July 1st, 1976. Right? So she had just entered into her Jupiter Mercury Dasha period. Well, guess what, y'all? See, then we can start to say, okay, no. So Jupiter's in the ninth house giving her this conscience, this voice, this, this, this drive to get out of this bad situation. And then Mercury, which is the planet that rules the third and the twelfth house, says it's time for the cancer to sidestep. Because cancers do that very well. If you ever watch a crab, they move side to side. Mm -hmm. Well, she moves side and then side again to avoid further confrontation to deal with this individual called her husband. So it's showing you. At this period, the divine light hit and allowed her to do the third house thing and the and the twelfth house thing, right? To get out of Dodge. But from a fifth house perspective, because I'm sorry, ninth house perspective, because Mercury is in the ninth house from Jupiter. That's how you read it. Mm. And guess what? Mercury is aspecting the moon, which is her personality, which is her physical body. She was tired. It was time to go. It's time to... The 12th house is where you reju rejuvenate, recoup. Yeah. It's, that's... Uh, that, to me, when I saw... I was like, wow. Thank you, my I-687, right? <laughs> because, <laughs> right, this is a really nice chart to read. I mean, it's really concise. It's just to the point. She gets a divorce in 78. She starts her K Jupiter K2 Dasha in 78. Yeah. August 70th. So the divorce hits. She's able to sidestep. And then boom, it's severed. Mm -hmm. So you see, this is how things work. Now, in the Jupiter Dasha period, Jupiter's in the ninth. Tina Turner, she classifies herself as a Buddhist. Yeah. Right? And so Buddhism was given to her. According to the movie by her friend, she could have found it on her own. I don't know the person's the, the, the exact way she got it, but she did get it in 1973. Mm -hmm. 
Jupiter, Saturn, Dasha. Or it could be Jupiter, Jupiter as well, depending on what time she got it in 73. Mm-hmm. If she got it early, early 73, then it would have been right in that Jupiter, Jupiter, Dasha, which then you can clearly see. Isn't that phenomenal? That the Supreme Being is like, here you go. So she she already had Namyo Horehiho before she left Ike. Hmm. Yeah, you she found it. You see what I'm saying? Indeed. Um yeah, you could tell this Jupiter Dasha was uh was 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 um was key. Cause also, um I don't know if you was gonna get this get into this, but um according to the Parashatas definition of Lakshmi Yoga, she has that. And that activated during that time period as well. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She does. Jupiter in the ninth in its own sign. When it's in the Lord it's Lakshmi Yoga. Yeah. Yep. All day. So I mean, you didn't even I didn't even you pulled that out and that shows you right there that that Dasha period is the one that set her free. Yep. I mean, come on, y'all. Y'all, you just can't get no better than this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just is right there. It's written like somebody wrote her life out, put her in the little body, and said, "Move on," and everything just unfolded as as intended. Yeah. So now, now one more thing, as far as the Buddhism thing, because um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, you know, are you look at the two Jupiter ruled signs, Sag and Pisces. Would you say that? Because it's in Pisces, is why it, it, it twinged towards Buddhism versus if it was the other way, like maybe Sag, it might have been, you know, solidified in Christianity or something like that. Mm. Yeah, because Jupiter is in um, Uttara Bahadrapada, mm-hmm. which is the serpent of the deep, and that is meditation. Mm-hmm. Buddhism focuses on meditation. They don't even tell you there's God. Mm-hmm. They say prove it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. I would definitely qualify that as a, a position that would definitely put Buddhism as a mainstay. Or some type of what, 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 they, what people would classify today as more of a spirituality spiritual than, approach uh, than than the religion yeah. absolutely absolutely my brother mm-hmm. yes sir you're right on the money with that definitely so definitely uh saturn aspect in the 12th house can also do some of that too because mm-hmm. it, it saturn wants to shut down and the 12th house the house of reclusion yeah yeah that would that would it would, it would sit suit her best right definitely so you know, moving in, going deeper, right? So, between 85 and 87, she has a Jupiter, uh, Dasha Sandi. And Dasha Sandis are kind of like suns, the sunset, sunrise type deal of the Dashas. And this is when things are shifting the most. These are things are unstable. I mean, she already had instability throughout her life, but... This time period is going to take her from one level to another. Yeah. Right? And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking at that and looking at what's going on. Um, in the 80s is when she began to have her notoriety. Right? 
um, for her herself, her own personal notoriety, not with Ike, but separated from Ike. Yeah. Right. Because remember the duo demise, and they broke up in 76. So between 76 and 83, she had a solo career. She didn't do much. Right. She didn't really do much. Not during that time. But, right, in, I think, 83 is when she began to really reshift and capitulate herself. 84, um, she comes out with Private Dancer. Right? I'm your private dancer. Dancing. I mean, like, that, <laughs> that's a major song right there, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, 84, it hit. Mm-hmm. But she's in her Jupiter Dasha, about to get, and she's not, oh, she didn't blow up yet. She's not major yet. She's just getting her feet reacclimated to what she is and who she is as an individual. Yeah. And so Jupiter's still kind of giving her the boons, if you will, the blessings of you know, that Jupiter Dasha period. But it, it's not going to blow her up. It just was there to clear the air and to reset her, to really get back on the path of who she is. But in the Saturn Dasha period is when she begins to blow up. Now, she did blow up in 84 with What's Love Got to Do With It. Yeah, that's that's the... That was that, the that, real kicker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, but if you really t- pay attention... Because she did get awards and all that, but her stuff didn't really hit until the 80s, like mid-80s. So 85 is when she did Mad Max Thunderdome, right? And this is, actually, this is really, if y'all look at it, it's still in the Jupiter Dasha period, mm-hmm. right? But, right, um, in 86, right, 86, 87, that's when she began to kind of take her own self out and do her thing with regards to who she is as an individual not to say it didn't happen at the end of the jupiter dasha but the saturn dasha kind of from what i can see really is a solidifying factor and that's when things re-shifted so that saturn now is ruling the seventh i mean the seventh and the eighth in the tenth and it debilitation is not canceled but it is offset and what happens is, is that that Parvatana Yoga, between the eighth and the tenth house, now re- now is going to act like Saturn's in the eighth, right, and act like Mars is in the tenth. So now Mars is going to do the job of Saturn in the light of the career, in the light of um, having completion of what she feels as being like, you know what, I did it. I showed you I did it. Yeah. Right. She had a she had a tour, a worldwide tour, um, in eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Right? And it says she reached breaking yielded breaking record breaking sales. Right. So this is now Tina, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Tina as in her own prominence, as in her who she is with the world to see. And the thing about it is that the only reason, real reason why she became so phenomenal is because of the transformation that she went through, through her husband. Yeah. So the negative became a what? Positive. So the eighth Lord now yields his power to the 10th house and the 10th Lord uses power to the eighth. So the transformation that she went through was so purifying and so recapitulating, reacclimating who she is as a person, 
then the success hit. And I'm saying when I success, I'm talking about she's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1991. Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Her her film came out in 1993 in Saturn Dasha. Yes, yeah, so that that I mean, because that's yeah, because that's 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 deep when you look at that. Because if you, I mean, if you don't look at that that Parvatana, you would think that that Saturn Dasha would be pretty ugly for. Her. It's actually phenomenal. Yeah. So you see, this is how you begin to. Now, would you say maybe a lot of that because just the setup, she she may have dealt with a lot of the the karma that that Saturn, you know, that Saturn was bringing early. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Then and then you know, when she hit the dash, that that was already cleared out the way. Already rolling, already ready to roll, man already ready to roll so it was like it was like i said it was it was constructed for her yeah mars is the yoga karka too for cancer center right yeah right in the eighth house Hmm. in the eighth house so you see this is how we can begin to look at a chart and really just outline and delineate and i haven't looked at transits right we haven't looked at that at all those would just be clear concise aspects of the dasha system they work together in tandem so that you see them in concise boom this is what this saturn dasha does because saturn is transiting here at this time boom so you know during that saturn dasha and she rolled it all the way out to 2006 and i mean we're looking at the same tina turner from 2006 on and there's really not much we've heard from tina because she's up there in age, I mean, she's in her 60s. and Actually, she's in her 80s right 80s. now. 80s, yeah, she's, yeah, she's up there. So, you know, but, um, but she's, she's good. in her 2000s. She's already had her career. She already had her heyday, right, when Mercury Dasha hit. So, you know, definitely you can see the patterns And they say uh, in her life. I did, a, I did a little research on it, just seeing how much she's worth, you know, including her catalog and everything. Got her about, like, $250 million. Not bad. <laughs> Moon in the eleventh. Not mm-hmm. bad. She ended up being very wealthy. Yep. You see? <laughs> so I mean, you know. Phenomenal stuff, y'all. Phenomenal stuff. But we're gonna stop there because we've been in the chart for a while. It's been about almost an hour and so we just kinda wanna leave off the, with this and that, you know, these are the things that we begin to do when we wanna start to learn our, our, our discipline, to start to fine tune our discipline, get a good solid chart and go through the dashas, go through the placements, go through the personality, go through the, the disposition, go through the makeup and see how it correlates perfectly with the dashas and how the dashas correlate perfectly with what's going on in the real in real time as far as that person's life is concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, um, you know, we sliced that up pretty well. Um, you know, I want to um, remind everybody that, you know, this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology. Um, make sure you go follow both of us on those platforms and follow this podcast at Cosmic Convo, C-O-S-M-I-C-C-O-N-V-O, uh, Cosmic Convo on Instagram. And hit us up and Give us suggestions, you know, with, you know, this this episode, like stated before, was uh, um, suggested from our audience. So, um, you know, we do listen. Indeed, we want this to be as interactive as possible. All right. Um, 
so brother Rod, if you you know you're good, you don't have any any more parting roles, man. You know, uh, words we can uh, we can go ahead and close this one out. Yeah, we can table this one right now. Just keep in mind, you know, and I haven't gone into every detail and nuance in any way, shape, form, or fashion. We're just brushing over these to give our view, our listeners, and hopefully maybe viewers at some point. Um, the opportunity to really look at how this particular science works in a general sense of the word. I give you little tidbits, little uh, things to do that you can go research and start to look at your own chart, friends' charts, family charts, famous people's charts, just to see, you know, wow, that person was in this dasha and this happened, this person did this. So you'll start to see the consistencies and the power of the, of the science that we use. So with that, I bid everyone adieu. Peace. Peace.